how do you build a, a robust attribution model based on something that's changing all the time? The world doesn't stand still. People don't stand still. Your customers are getting older. The platforms are changing. The laws are changing. So your attribution model's got to keep got to keep changing as long as. And I know people will absolutely hate this, especially the scientists. But you've got to have a little bit of faith as well that you're getting it right. And as long as your model is 85 to 90 percent accurate, like you're doing a really, really good job. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Gilbert, and I'm the CEO of Leave. Uh, we're a tech company specializing in performance marketing services for e-commerce. Uh, I have Wes with me, uh, who is our CMO and Chief Customer Officer. Uh, joining us today is Kieran Chapman, uh, Director of Growth from Josh Wood. Uh, Color, uh, we're leading her Color brand uh, and one of our customers uh, at Leave. And then we also have Holly Patrick, uh, who is Client Director at Deft, uh, one of our partners and um, you know, is an amazing creative consultancy for social commerce. Um, today, we're gonna be talking about growing your e-commerce brand. Uh, going into 2022, uh, what the landscape looks like. Uh, lots has changed over the last um, couple of years, but you know it continues to morph and evolve. Uh, what the challenges are, what opportunities are, and what you can do about it now. How do you prepare yourself uh, towards that? So um, there's going to be three themes that we're going to be trying to cover today. Uh, one is kind of like the state of the nation, sort of, you know, what's the landscape looks like, uh, challenges and focus. Um, and also, uh, we're going to be deep diving a little bit on Dev Social Commerce Report, uh, which is a, a great work that the team at Dev uh, put together and that just announced just a couple of days ago. So we're pretty happy to have Holly with us to, to cover that. So let's start looking at this year, 2021. Lots has changed. We're kind of getting into that point where we're getting custom and, and you know and, and cost you know feeling cozy with with all the changes and all the challenges. Kieran, I know you joined uh, Josh Woodcaller uh, this year as director of growth. What has been like? You know, what has been your major challenges? You know, what have you been focused on since you joined? Well, for us, you kind of, and for everyone, I expect you can't really talk about 2021 without talking about 2020 and what it's caused, right? So uh, the reason I joined Josh Wood in early 2021 is that, and this will sound like a made-up stack because it sounds so good, but Josh Wood grew 20x in 2020, right? So we benefited massively from that accelerated shift towards e-commerce that the pandemic set off, and we're still very much riding that wave at the moment. And what that means for us is, you know, a huge amount of external investment in the business, a huge amount of new talent coming into the business, and really lofty, uh, ambitious goals for growth. Like we're almost anchored to that 20x number that's driving us to uh, still be really ambitious over the next couple of years. So um, really for us, it's about, you know, as, as a company, it's about doing digital better than the long-standing incumbents in our product category. Our product category is dominated by multinationals that you'll recognize, the L'Oreal's, the Garnier's, and they invest primarily in two things, TV advertising and lots of it with flashy celebrities and extensive distribution partnerships with retail. What they don't invest in is, is digital and digital experience and digital distribution. So for us, throughout 2020, we made huge gains just by turning up 
in places that those competitors weren't. If you went online and you searched and you looked for reviews and you researched the product category, you found us because we are invested in that space and supporting that space. Um, and then also we're investing in a, a level of service that's delivered digitally that it turns out is really, really important when it comes to hair dye. Using hair dye is a terrifying experience. There's so much that can go wrong. And when you look at the category, for the last 30 years, customers have been pretty hideously underserved and undersupported by those big multinational brands. So we're trying to take, we talk about taking Josh and his experience. He's done this for 30 years at a world-class level, taking his experience and trying to like scale the service that he offers. How do you take one man who has the list of clients and offer that same level of service and quality um, on demand to thousands of people simultaneously. And the way for us to do that is, is through delivering a really amazing digital experience that thankfully, I think in 2021, people are increasingly open to, you know, things like video consultations that a few years ago kind of would have been unimaginable that we've had the take up that we have. And now they're, they're such a core part of our service. So yeah, lots, lots still changing and evolving. And like I said, this, this kind of wave that's continuing this increase in digital adoption this move to e-com that that we're just trying to stay ahead of and ahead of our competitors yeah and and that's a you know like a very good approach you know yesterday my mother-in-law i happen to be in costa rica right now uh so you know like thanks to the internet uh we're, we're doing all of this but uh you know yesterday my mother-in-law was pitching my mom on josh wood color and you know like how uh uh you know like the the, the videos and the tutorials and everything because i mean a lot of what has changed also, it means that a lot of people now has to, you know, in, in the case of your product, you know, vertical, people will have to, you know, rather than going to a salon or whatever, you know, they're doing it. It's a DIY type of thing, right? And my mom was showing, you know, my mother-in-law, you know, all the products and the stuff and how my dad actually now does my, my mom's, you know, hair dyeing. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting, right? I mean, like how, you know, you guys have been able to step in and, you know, b- before I kind of like, going to West, you know, I probably want to segue, you know, to Holly, because I think this kind of goes very, very, you know, kind of well in, in, in into this whole social commerce, right? And, and the evolution and what we're seeing brands doing now, especially digital native brands, right? Which I think it's it's important um, in how you, you can seize the, the, the moment and also evolve and react, you know, uh, a lot swiftly than, than a lot of the incumbents, I'll say. So Holly, uh, yeah. what do you have you guys, you know, like found uh, over the last few months working on the report? Yeah, I think for us, it's kind of focusing on growth within social commerce as well. So for us, that's really summarized by reaching new audiences, essentially. So those people that haven't heard or bought from your brand before, it's not just kind of retargeting lapsed customers. It's that as well as creating that kind of lifetime value. That's also really important. So for example, if you're a subscription service, you don't want customers that are then just going to churn immediately. So I guess if you have understanding of that lifetime value, then you can essentially pay more to acquire those customers. And it's around the kind of quality of that rather than the the quantity that you get. Yeah. And and, and that's, I think it's key, right? It's, It's building that connection right that I think and and really you know like understanding you know kind of like what the expectation is getting closer to where they are um maybe Wes uh, you know you want to chime in you know with some of the stuff that you know that we're being you know focusing on with with uh Josh Woodcaller uh over the last you know couple of months yeah I mean our, our our major focus has been signal um it is the absolute foundation for a digital a digital business if you have poor data coming in, you're going to get poor data 
out and that data out is generally is 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 money is attribution so we've been focusing for several months on making sure that we're working really closely with the the web dev team there you've got you know josh would have got a really expensive extensive product development team that handles this stuff uh, quite different to a lot of our clients that actually have a head of product and i think it's really important that businesses start thinking like tech companies when you're running a digital business you wouldn't have a uh, a plumber do your wiring for your house chances are they can have a go chances are your lights are going to blow so why would you why would you put your signal processing all your pixel your google tag your analytics stuff why would you put that on a web dev team they're going to say yeah because they want the business they aren't specialists in this stuff so um our signal processing engineers specifically focus on on this stuff they're shopify experts they they've built stores before but they're signal processing experts first and foremost so making sure now because we are getting less data we've reached peak marketing data and that is just a fact we're on the way down hopefully it's going to level out at some point but it's going to be post 2023 when third party cookies effectively effectively die so how do we prepare for that um, and how do we make sure that we're getting the in, in a legitimate way quality signal and maximum quantity so things like server side tracking google analytics and having a holistic solution so that when companies like Josh Wood are focused on a, a digital experience like say um having your uh, a subscription uh, a subscription service online but also having your your video consultations and your quizzes all those digital experiences need to be tracked end to end from the click on the ad right through to the conversion so and that has been a relatively complex journey for Josh Wood so making sure we've got that right and building a foundation so that any upgrades that are done to a website don't unravel your entire conversion tracking framework and i think that's been criminally underserved by the traditional agency industry and it's been undervalued by brands thankfully not undervalued by Kieran and his team but it is people are starting to change and i also think that you know looking at, at the kind of work that death does um you know focused on 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 creative for, for social commerce tracking if you don't know how those creatives are performing you don't have a methodology for testing and optimizing those creatives signal and getting quality signal is such a huge part of that for optimization and we're getting less of it so we need to really protect the source and that is where we we focus we provide an end to end service but really it starts with signal yeah and and i think it it's important right as as we step in and you know like uh, i think as much as we don't want to cover covid you know and the pandemic in in a lot of what we do because suddenly is is normal um it's a stuff that we can control right i mean we're going into 2022 and it's going to be probably a little bit more of what we've seen this year uh you know with with certain changes uh we can predict it either you know as much as as we wish you know we were to predict uh you know a lot of the the worries are you know that as you continue to grow and you know in the, in the case of you know Josh would call her you know like having this 20x it also puts a lot of pressure in keeping that momentum going right and actually seizing the opportunities isn't the chance and you know and, and it's starting to 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 take a, a moment uh, out of it right uh, in many ways you know you will see that um also with channel preferences right now we have 
you know, Facebook and Google, TikTok is a slightly, you know, going into it, albeit, you know, we can argue that, you know, the audience aspect there, you know, as a, an element, just this week, you know, they announced that uh, at least in the US, TikTok overtook uh, YouTube uh, from, uh, you know, amount of time uh, spent on the platform. There is Amazon, which is this, this huge, you know, kind of like elephant in the room for a lot of the direct-to-consumer brands, right? I mean, you kind of have to play alongside it, knowing that it's kind of like that enemy that you need to be having close to you. Um, mm. How do you, you know, come around that, Kieran, uh, in, in, you know, from, from the planning perspective? And, you know, like, obviously, you know, there are partners like us who step in, you know, to, to, to help uh, accelerate some of those things. But from a from an in-house point of view, you know, how do you balance the, you know, what goes on in-house and what goes outside, you know, from, from a partnership point of view? Yeah, well, the in-house outsourcing question, I mean, I was really lucky when I turned up at Josh Wood in one sense because, because the company's really in its infancy. I mean, it's existed since 2018, but only really started to trade at volume in 2020. I turned up and had this wonderful luxury of not having a team in place. So being able to question from the ground up what what problems I needed to solve and what the best way to solve those was. And I, I kind of thought about it in a few terms. And actually probably Leaf is a really good example of, of the thought process that I went through. Like I thought about what technical expertise did we really need to make sure we were kind of capitalizing on that startup dream of being a fast moving digital disruptor. You know, it's easy to stay. It's much, much harder to do as Wes was just outlining. There's a ton of complexity that comes with that. And I knew we needed the skill to, to manage that complexity. Also thought a lot about like elasticity of resource. We have such ambitious growth targets over the next few years that the need to scale our resourcing quickly was vital. Um, and, you know, both of those things that are achievable in theory with an in-house team, but they're harder <laughs> and they're also more expensive initially. We kind of didn't have that luxury to build uh, an in-house kind of Mercedes-Benz solution straight out the gate. You know, we needed to start testing small, prove the investment case, and then still leave ourselves with the option to scale up. And, you know, that's when thankfully I, I ended up in touch with you guys. And whereas we had initial conversations exactly about what you were just talking about, Signal, about the importance of managing that technical complexity. And you know, I could see straight away that, that we could partner effectively on that problem. And then both on a, a just a pure campaign management point of view and from a creative point of view as well, I could see that you guys had perfectly thought through how to scale your response to both of those problems. You know, don't worry, we're going to be able to manage these campaigns when they're 15K a month, right the way up to several hundred thousand. And also don't worry, regardless of the scale you're operating at, we're going to have the creative throughput so that you can learn at the pace you need to learn. Um, so, you know, it's, it's such a like, it's a bit of a cliche answer, isn't it? But it, I think that in-source, outsource thing, it, it does depend, but it depends on, on you looking at the specific problem you have to solve and figuring out what you value. You know, on the, on the in-house side of things, there are some problems that just need an individual kind of closer to the business, closer to the brand to help knit things together. And so we do have in-house resource for some of those problems as well. But, it, you know, it really depends on what you're trying to solve. And I think both approaches are super valid and useful and you need to find some way to blend them together based on, on what it is you're tackling. Yeah, and, and I think that's, that's the key, right? Like blending, finding not only the right people, but also understanding the right balance of, you know, responsibility, you know, what 
each brings to the to the table, right? Uh, it's about making sure that we can double down on, you know, like you guys, product expertise, consumer expertise, right? And then build in from it. Holy, what, what have you seen, you know, like uh, fr from this? And especially, I know you guys were looking at very specific sector with, within the, the, the report itself. Um, and you guys as deaf, you know, you come in in a very specific aspect of it, which is a lot of the brand, you know, uh, analysis setup and, you know, and, and almost like, you know, planting the seeds in many ways for, for that development. Um, you know, what has been your experience so far on, on this? Yeah, so I guess essentially for us, like we believe that the next kind of growth pioneers are those that can really master social commerce. Um, and so in our first wave of the report you mentioned, we've reviewed kind of 12 UK homeware companies to understand how they leverage social, uh, social commerce to get growth, essentially. And the leaders that we found are those who are able to combine art and science. So you guys have covered off in, in amazing detail that science piece, but combining art with that, so that analytical view of the funnel, but with also the bravery to make big bets. So someone like a made.com is someone we found to be a leader. So they essentially kind of take risks. They understand their audience and their brand extremely well, but they also understand data and they understand platforms and media. So I guess for us, there are sort of five key areas for growth that we have in the report, but a couple of examples of those are kind of having a good creator program. So that's creators, influencers, or celebrities, just having a really sophisticated approach to that and actually not underestimating the power of it and making sure that you have kind of that really senior resource and talent to be able to kind of curate a properly structured program and invest in the time and energy into it. But also alongside it is something like how you're able to build a mobile commerce experience with your product catalog. So kind of obviously, as we know, marketing author Byron Sharp really highlights that kind of mental availability. So yes, making your products memorable is really important. And the physical availability, making it easy to buy is what that key to growth is. So for us, it's things like making sure that your catalog is streamed across all of the social platforms, making everything really easy to buy on uh, mobile but also making sure that you're making use of Instagram shop and all of the new product features across all the touch points to make sure that you're mobile first and everything that you're doing um, is really key. And then actually one of the other really surprising ones for us that we wanted to call out is amplifying brand trust through reviews. So obviously typically D2C uh, brands and obviously Josh Wood, um, Kieran, you mentioned earlier, you're really hot on your reviews, understanding the importance of those, but sometimes more traditional retailers aren't. And actually what we found is that you kind of ignore them at your peril uh, or you invest in them to kind of reap those financial rewards from them. And brands that really understand the value of reviews in their sales funnel, um, you really see the, the performance kind of uplift with that. So we've got kind of five key areas we've looked at when we're judging these brands, essentially. Yeah, and I think that's the stuff that you cannot fake, right, in many ways, is it's how, you know, like intentional are you in approaching this? And I feel like because of this retrieve from data, you know, that we're seeing, we're going to start seeing also a fragmentation of the commerce experience, and it's going to become more and more native, right? Um, most probably, yeah. you know, checkouts are going to go into Facebook, into Instagram, you know, so on and so forth. I think Shopify uh, as a provider, I think they're they're kind of like pr probably like forward in in the wave and the way they're writing. They pretty much has you know a, a, a partnership with every single social platform that you can think of, and they make it super simple. You know, quote unquote, right? I mean, there is still a lot of complexities behind it and it breaks more often than we wish. But, you know, there is a lot of ways that, you know, you can be, you know, almost present, right? And, and being able to not only looking at the user journey from within your own, you know, properties, but also how do 
they behave. You know, and, and, and you know, going back to Kieran's point, you know, it becomes an ever complex, you know, formula because there are so many touch points that you now have to manage. Uh, and especially, you know, when you set yourself forward as you know, wanted to you know to scale rapidly, you know, and become you know a, a established brand, you know, fairly new, growing into that, you you're gonna have to to have those capabilities, you know, built in place. How how do you guys prepare yourself, Kieran? You know, for some of that, and and then probably you know next to Wes on, on how we're doing some of that as well on on our own. It's, I think there's a really interesting tension at the heart of like every D 2 C brand, which is you. You recognize the value of this proliferation of customer touch points and you recognize that part of your ability to disrupt a category is that you're going to appear in places that incumbents and traditional marketing organizations just don't go so you're totally right it's like fragmentation of commerce it plays into that strength right you can bet your bond dollar that it's going to be startups that appear in those kind of clever e-commerce spaces in the next few years before the major brands but the the trade-off is that you, you so desperately want to build a coherent brand and tell a coherent brand story. And so you have to then somehow do that across all this fragmentation, you know, rather than just, wouldn't it be a wonderful world, just bring people to your website and they, they relax and spend 10 minutes reading all your content and, you know, they get to know the brand story. In reality, you just don't get that luxury with so many of your customers. Um, I remember doing an attribution project a few years back in a previous role looking at all the different combinations of, of touch point journeys that led to the site. And there was something absurd, like 10 and a half thousand possible um, permutations of, of touch point combination. You go, how do you tell a story across that many different variants? But for us, and again, one of the reasons we're so happy to be working with you guys at Leaf, for me, one of the ways you solve that problem is, is you ideate, experiment and refine, right? So you go, okay, here's the story we want to tell Here's all the ways we could tell it. Some are longer form, some are more succinct, some are five seconds, that's all we have. Let's put these out onto those touch points and those platforms and let's let's figure out what combination works. And the likely answer is that it's a dynamic process with no real end point and that it's a complex process with a lot of different variation. Again, you know, you might find that it's this story for this person on a Saturday in this part of the country and so on and so forth. And I knew we needed um, a system that combined that, that kind of artistic ideation, what are all the stories we can tell with that, that scientific rigor of keeping track of everything and that immense amount of complexity. And I, I think, you know, Wes, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think we're achieving that right now. I think we're making really amazing, quick strides in that direction, like honing in on what what messaging works and with who. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yes, we are achieving that, and I, I like the uh, the pressure of like continuing this twenty x uh, this growth here. And thanks for that. Um, again, I think it's down to having a methodology and then being able to measure the effects of that of that methodology. Um, with the lack of data that we're getting now, creative is going to have to work much, much harder. And the answer to good creative is is is, is good insight. It's a, it answers like who are your customers? Know your customer. You know, has been an adage. Uh, you know, time immemorial. But it's become even more important now. We've reached this kind of peak marketing data thing. So upfront, it used to be that you would just you know put some images, put some messages, put some audiences into Facebook and Google, off you go, the algorithms will do the work. 
uh, the auction isn't too competitive. Um, you know, when we started this, I think it was 5 million businesses a month advertising on on Facebook alone. It's 10 million now. And I think the last year, you know, for want of a better phrase, put a rocket up the arse of adoption and just catapulted, you know, e-commerce adoption 10 years into the future. So it is now the most difficult time ever to advertise online. Um, cost per impression, super high, click-through rates are less. Your creative's got to work harder and the creative and the message and keeping that coherent across all these different ch- channels it is a really big challenge. And I think that's where, you know, you've got specialists like like us, like Def, to come in and help companies build that story in a coherent way across these channels and then measure the effect of that and splitting out your funnel, you know, and talking to people at different points of the funnel slightly differently at the top of funnel, educating them about your brand and products, taking them to dinner before you take them to bed uh, is become even more important and getting the signal back that lets you know how those things are working is really important. And also making sure that you're taking advantage of all the opportunities out there on, especially on, on Facebook. I know, you know, I'll hand it over to Ollie to talk a little bit more about um, kind of live shopping experiences and all that kind of stuff and the opportunities there for 2022. We do need to some do some kind of, I don't know, analysis on on how we can potentially track that stuff better. Your, your, your middle of funnel, so people who engage with your content on social media has become now is going to replace the bottom of funnel. So people who visited your your website, as we're getting less information and less data from, from iOS and from people in the EU and from people who are less than 18 years old, your middle of funnel, your engagement audiences on social, whether it's TikTok, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram, are going to have to work much, much harder and they become a pseudo web visitor. How do you get these people to be a really high intent customer? And as long as you've got these, um, these challenges in mind, and you're focusing your creative and your message on these parts of the funnel, then I think it stands you in in really good stead. And it's about it's about being you know you, you can't be too proactive with this stuff because Facebook's going to turn around towards the end of this year and probably change something major. They've been virtually knocked out by by Apple and they've got to get up and they've got to punch back. So it'll be really interesting and you, and we're going to have to roll with those punches for want of a better analogy. But yeah, I'm interested like with with you guys, Def, like how do you how do you see the future of creative for social commerce? You know, I know we focus a lot on on catalog and on these mobile experiences and on the personalization of of shopping and these experiences. Personalization's in a tricky position at the moment. Email email still remains king for that stuff. And we thought it was going to be replaced by social. I don't think it will. But uh, yeah, how do you guys see see the future of that for, for brands in 2022? It's almost like it's a twofold question. I think one of them is actually one of the biggest challenges that we found our clients have come up against is diversification. So actually having been traditionally very reliant on your Facebooks and your Googles, people have actually now had to realise that with all the changes and the effects that that's having on the performance of those platforms, they've had to, to diversify. So I think, you know, making sure you're on Snap, 
you're present on TikTok. Yes, okay, loads of amazing stuff for commerce is releasing on TikTok this quarter, but if you're not already present, you need to be. So for an example that we found um, during our report with Don Elm, obviously a UK uh, retailer, they had basically gone viral on the platform with these eight pound mirrors that everyone was buying to make their small flats look bigger and stick them on the walls. And yet Don Elm was not present in that conversation at all. So it's a massive missed opportunity for them. So you need to be on these channels, listening to what's going on, joining conversation, just having presence. And then obviously when these commerce things drop, you're there, you can use them and monetize uh, the, the kind of community that you build. I think for us as well, live commerce, looking to China for inspiration uh, there, it was a huge, huge focus for us, not only in our report, but also our work with our clients like Snug Sofa. Um, we did an amazing Instagram live uh, activation with them back in March. Um, and again, it was all around sort of bringing in new audiences with the brand. We worked with some amazing talent on it um, to kind of expose this brand to their audiences as well as getting registrations to win a sofa. And you had to be on the live to win the sofa. Nice touch. Um, and so, yeah, we were able to kind of uh, do lots of different things with that. And I think the future of how that's going to be quantified, as you mentioned, was is going to be really interesting. But I think just, just having like the guts to try things and just making sure that you are a leader in the space by doing so and combining the art and science, as I mentioned earlier, um, it's really key to kind of winning and growing in social commerce. Yeah, no, and, and, and there was something that Kieran touched briefly, uh, which I think is important. Maybe we can use it to kind of like start winding down this conversation. Otherwise, you know, we can go for hours here, but uh, it needs attribution, right? And it's, it's modeling of the attribution. Attribution, unfortunately, is not an exact science. You know, it's something that you only can get to, you know, almost tend to and approach. There is also a massive thing that people uh, not necessarily speak about and is the halo effects that all these different touch points have on the other channels, right? Uh, people will see an ad, they will probably go online looking for reviews, you know, and then it's it's how, you know, like we tend, you know, we like to say it is like a, like a, like a, like a football match, right? Like who... Who's attributable for the, the goal? Is it that the last one, the, the last player touching the ball before he hits the net? Or is it all the players that touch the ball in that given play, right? And I think it's important to give the, you know, kind of like the the, the the attribution, for lack of a better word, but actually, you know, like understanding, right? Like how all these different touch points in a fragmented world actually, you know, play to each other. Whereas we're talking about the middle of funnel becoming almost as important as the bottom of, of funnel, you know, in the, in the transaction. Um, so, you know, like, um, Wes, do you want to close on that? You know, like maybe, you know, some of the work that we've been doing, you know, on, on attribution, but how important it is, you know, as I said, it ain't an exact science in becoming even more fussy with the lack of data, but I think it's important that you have a model you know, that you keep tuning up, you can, you know, kind of honing in, you know, as you go. Yeah, I think I think with attribution, people think there's like a some kind of turnkey, one size fits all solution. And it's not, you've got to say, right, okay, we will take what we've got on Facebook and we will attribute 10% of direct and 2% of organic. And we will do the same across all our channels so that actually the money that you make based on that attribution model is equivalent to the money that's hit in the bank and then you need to leave some, some headroom. And I think um, attribution models change. People think, oh, like we need to build an attribution model and then, and then we've built it and then we can, we can move on. These things change. These things change all the time. Uh, and once, you know, third-party cookies start to die, GA4 comes into play that starts to be able to track people across devices all these things, all these things change again, and you will have to keep remodeling this thing. It's an iterative 
process. I know people don't want to hear that because how do you build how do you build a, a robust attribution model based on something that's changing all the time? The world doesn't stand still. People don't stand still. Your customers are getting older. The platforms are changing. The laws are changing. So your attribution model's got to keep got to keep changing as long as. And I know people will absolutely hate this, especially the scientists. But you've got to have a little bit of faith as well that you're getting it right. And as long as your model is 85 to 90 percent accurate, like you're doing a really, really good job. Just because to get to that point takes years and years of experience and years of practice. And I think um, also having faith that that you know your customers. Yeah, the, the platforms are going to give you the data. They tell you, but data doesn't have any ideas. It doesn't take account of feeling. It doesn't take account of your position in the market or your USP. Only you can do that. And I think it goes back to what you guys were talking about, where art meets science. It's where intuition meets data. And I think that, um, you know, with some of the work we've done with, say, Go Compare and other brands, like the huge brands that can say, right, we're going to stop advertising in Birmingham and see what the effect is, or we're only going to advertise in this part of the country on social and doing those incrementality tests. You can do those in, in very small ways. Uh, you've got to be able to afford to do those because some people can't afford just to turn off social for a week to see what the effect is. Um, it's interesting, some of the work we've been doing with Josh Josh Wood recently and the, and the restructure of the website and stuff like that has enabled us to have a baseline without social. And now we can measure the, we can start to measure the, um, we can start to measure the incrementality of like actually turning that channel back on. So you can use stuff that's actually a problem for your company. Like, oh my God, the website's down, stop all the ads. Use that as a way to reset and create a baseline and use those challenges as, as opportunities for the, for the future. Yeah. And, Look, there are a lot of topics that we didn't touch today, right? There is internally uh, the international markets, right? How do you approach those, right? Your unique economics, right? I mean, we've seen it with one of our customers, right? Bill for Athletes, and he's understanding your unique economics per territory uh, and, and even the messaging and, and the way you structure those. Understanding that, you know, you no longer have this kind of like global raw targets, you, you essentially have to start breaking down, you know, based on, on parameters and variables. There is a lot of it, you know, and, you know, we, as I said, you know, we can go on and on, maybe, you know, as a topic for a podcast, you know, that we can do later, but um, essentially, you know, there is a lot of challenges as Wes well said, you know, there is a lot of opportunities, you know, and I think those opportunities are going to be uh, really up for grabs for the people that can move fast, have the right type of partners around you, right? That can, you know, look at those insights, make decisions based on them and actually take the brand to next level. So I think if anything, this uh, period, you know, over the last, you know, couple of years really has democratized the opportunity, you know, to market for a lot of brands, you know, similar to how Josh Wood has been able to grow 20X. Uh, you know, I think there is an opportunity, you know, out there for a lot of these brands. We've seen it every day, you know, with a portfolio of, of brands that we work with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, any parting thoughts, uh, team, you know, uh, we can start with Holly, go with Kieran and Wes. Like you say, opportunity, grab it, be brave, be a leader and not a laggard. That's my closing statement. Kieran. How <laughs> <laughs> you meant to follow that? That was so punchy. That was amazing. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I have to say, I love, I love uh, Deft's framework and the way they talk about blending that that kind of artistry and that scientific approach. And uh, I think, yeah, I think there's something really nice you said, Holly, about like be bold and take big bets. And I think 
if you can take bets and measure their impact, then what you can ultimately do is like calibrate your ability to make great bets. And I think of what I do a lot in those terms at the moment. I think like, what am I anticipating will happen? How will I measure whether it happened? And how will I feed that back so that I get better at forecasting and better at making those bets? And we're like right at the forefront, I think, as an industry, as, as marketers of trying to refine that loop. You're like, I think I'm going to influence human behavior doing something like this, something creative, something clever, something scientific. Am I doing that? Is it working? Um, and yeah, that framework out, outlines that beautifully. Great. Wes? Yeah, I'll keep it really, really short and sweet. Um, it, it's about having a holistic approach um, to everything you're doing. So signal, strategy, attribution, and it's a constant feedback loop. Signal, um, we're talking analytics, we're talking pixel, we're talking to Google tag, whatever it is, Pinterest, pixel, TikTok, um, strategy, creative, messaging, funnel structuring, international, and in, in terms of attribution, um, yeah, good luck. <laughs> now, I mean, look, everybody, I, I hope you've, you know, enjoyed this session, you know, learn a little bit, you know, that helps you prepare uh, to deliver on your brand's growth uh, uh, potential in 2022. Uh, it's, it's, it's the land of the brave, you know, like this is a trailblazing, you know, like 3.0, if you will. Uh, and I think it's about being smart more than ever, you know, making sure that you make use of, you know, all the tools, partnerships, uh, and, 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 you know, this constant learning, right? Uh, being brave, you know, putting yourself out there, showing up every day um, and being close as ever, you know, to, to your audience. So thanks everybody, uh, you know, hope to, to see you all around. Uh, you can learn more at our website, leafgrow.io uh, or dev.be. Uh, and, you know, like, um, and please go check out the great colors and, and efforts that, you know, like you should color has available for you all. Bye everybody. Take care. Good idea.